Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. What a rousing introduction. I love it every single day. Welcome to Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton, as we take a look at uh, some of the bigger and larger business uh, happenings around South Africa and the world. Well, it's a beautiful day of Juma. It just arrived. Alhamdulillah. Remember, remember to say your your durood today. Today is the most auspicious day to do durood. You do durood five hundred times, one hundred times between now and Isha, and you get the sawab. Uh, Seventy of your needs in the dunya are taken care of, and thirty in the akhirah. Remember that tonight is a wonderful night to make Darud. If you have the opportunity, please do so. Yeah, it really is. Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best of all creation, the best of all mankind. What a wonderful thing it is. Allah Ta'ala says to us in the Quran that He and the angels send Darud and salam on Nabi Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we, the believers, should do so too. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammad wa ali Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammadin wa bari wa sallam jazallahu ala Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bimahu ahlu. And remember, just after Asr, Tomorrow, well, today, just after Asa, there's that wonderful opportunity. If you make your Asa Salah and you just sit there quietly for a little while afterwards and you say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Nabi Lumi wa ala Ali wa then you can get the sawab of Laylatul Qadr. We have Ramadan coming up, the 27th of Ramadan, how we all work for that night. We stay up that whole night. We spend the whole of Ramadan preparing for that night. And Allah Ta'ala in His generosity gives us that opportunity for their little cutter every single Jummah after Asa Salah. What a wonderful in- investment that is. You know, yeah, we're talking business. You want a good business offer? There's one of the best business offers you can get. For just a few minutes work, you get 80 years reward. Huh? Not bad, not bad. Now now you can't forgo something like that. And remember at these times between Maghrib and Isha, you uh, recite Suratul Muk, Suratul Sajda. You're taking care of in the Kabar. If you do that every single day, you're going to have no problems in the Kabar. It's a very good time right now to be reciting those, those Surahs. You can also, if you want, you can recite uh, Surah Sajda, uh, Surah Waqiyah. For your um, for your risk needs tomorrow, uh, you can also say it after Isha Salah along with your Yasin. Yeah, and there's another wonderful, wonderful preparations. One Sahabi was asked, one Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for his Sahaba. Now, uh, what would you do if you were told that today is your last day? And one Sahaba said, Well, you know, I'd go and I'd find my loved ones and I'd say I'd may I'd, I'd say my farewells and. Another one said, oh, I'd go and I'd make sure that all my debts are repaid and I'd do all of these things. Then the one Sahabi said, me, ah, I won't do anything different. Every single day, if you're a Muslim, is a perfect preparation for that time when you must say goodbye to this dunya. If you live your life as a good Muslim and a right Muslim, you won't need to take any different changes when death comes knocking at your door. Yeah, always be prepared. Well, alhamdulillah, the JSE today, uh, there's a little bit of, I suppose you could say, a typical Friday stock taking. Um, although it's uh, only Thursday, according to their, 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 their way of thinking. 
Uh, yeah, so, okay, so it's not typical Friday, it's typical Thursday, and it's not typical Thursday uh, profit-taking. It's profit-taking after a few really good days on the JSE following uh, Standard & Poor's decision last Friday uh, not to issue its opinion, well, not its opinion, its assessment of South Africa. It did the issue an opinion on Tuesday. We were enjoying a full-up in that, wow, we didn't get downgraded on Monday. And then on Tuesday, it comes out and says, well, in actual fact, you still got your investment grading. Uh, we don't kind of like uh, see any problems. Um, and suddenly the JSE was doing really well. And while today there was a bit of, I suppose you could say, it's profit-taking, what with the JSE on 57,711.02, that's the all-share index, it's just down 0.37%. And the top 40 index is down at the exactly same percentage. It's on 51,449.27. So, yeah, it's been a good week for the JSE, alhamdulillah. In fact, uh, According to uh, the analysts on the, of, of the JSE, it's been a pretty good quarter so far. I mean, the JSE has ended up in positive territory despite all of the nonsense that's been going on. I don't know, you know, South Africa would be a good place if it wasn't for the South Africans. We really do kind of stab ourselves in the eye every time, don't we? But like Trevor Noah says, now oh, well, you guys go there, we're going this way. We don't know why we're going this way, we're going this way. Well, I mean, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, uh, you get all of these modern technological innovations which are sweeping the world and basically disempowering people and dehumanizing people while making our lives so much easier. Uh, well, you know, it's a possibility that South Africa could be missing out on all of those little um, sweet and generous delights of the dunya. And is that going to be a blessing in a few years' time? Uh, if you think about it, if you've got one of those um, computer-controlled cars, you can drive anywhere, you can take it easy, you don't have to look where you're going, and it takes you to the place where you want to go. Uh, it's all very nice, but what if someone decides that they don't want you to go on that journey and uh, they want to stop you in the middle of nowhere? Uh, your 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 position and location every single day, every single hour of the day, every single minute, every second of the day is followed. You know, you've got GPS on your on your cell phone. Your car will have the GPS and, uh, you know, you won't be able to go anywhere. You won't be able to see anyone without a system approval. As long as you have system approval, you're going to be able to do these things and work freely. As soon as you don't have system approval, suddenly it's not so rosy anymore. Well, now think of it. Um, uh, you've got several. I think it's four states in the United States at the moment are, are not allowing... Uh, their departments to pay civil government salaries unless each civil government employee has signed a loyalty agreement to uh, apartheid Israel. This is uh, an attempt to uh, counter the growing uh, BDS movement, the, the boycott, disinvestment and sanctions campaign that has been uh, on the go around the world for quite a few years now, I think uh, ever since uh, 2008 and Operation uh, Cost Lead. Um, so now, uh, what happens if you refuse to sign one of those Israeli loyalty uh, contracts and uh, suddenly you're no longer able to use your car? Suddenly you're no longer able to use your bank account? All of these things, the system. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, um, I'm not a Luddite. I do use uh, technology. 
But I'm not someone who just says that technology is ideologically neutral. Every single piece of technology that comes to the world has an ideological taint to it. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's just that little, that little plastic holder under, underneath the air vent in the, in the front of your car as you drive into work every day. It's going to hold that cup of coffee. Yeah, so where's the ideology in uh, that little plastic thing? Well, look, you know, uh, you're driving to work. Oh, you must have your cup of coffee on the way to work in the mornings. Really? What does that mean? That means that you actually didn't have time to make coffee for yourself in your kitchen. That's what it means. That means that you woke up this morning in a real big hurry. Uh, it means that you didn't have time. You didn't have time to take some time out for yourself in your own life. That little plastic thing there, just underneath your air vent in your car that holds your cup of coffee, that wakes you up uh, just before getting into work in the morning, is there for a reason. It's there specifically. So you can spend less time at work, and you, you, I mean, you can spend less time at home, and you can spend more time at work. Isn't it really wonderful? They're making your life, they're facilitating your life, are they? Or they're really just like getting that rut that you're running in every day just a little bit deeper. Keep you, keep you in the rut. Ideology. Ideology is in every single little bit of technology that comes into your life every single day. Now, I'm not saying uh, that you should prevent technology from coming into your life, but you must definitely have to have a conscious use of technology. You have to understand that if you bring the Internet into your home, your teenage son, somewhere along the line, is probably going to go and access some of those uh, adult sites. It's going to happen. You're going to be busy on your computer and suddenly all kinds of uh, semi-scantily dressed women are going to pop up on the, on the right-hand bottom corner. Uh, you know, there was Skype and everyone always sending their messages. Uh, and yeah, you are. You're not thinking about anything. You're just working. The next thing you've got a scantily clad woman there in front of you, and suddenly you're thinking about something else. It doesn't come. Uh, it's no technology comes that is ideologically neutral. No technology comes into the world that was not made first with an ideology that pre-existed it, and it will be shaped and formed in that ideology and it will be sent to the market in a certain kind of way that fits a certain kind of ideology and it will be distributed in a certain kind of way it will be manufactured in a certain kind of way ideology will go into de determining what kind of uh, materials will be used to make this thing you know ideology will decide whether or not well this could be poisonous to the people using it do i really care about that or not uh this uh this gadget will not biodegrade and it will last for another 500 years before it returns to the earth again. There is an ideology in that decision as to how, what materials you're going to make it out of. How are you going to transport it? Ideology goes into that technology. Uh, ideology goes into how you're going to distribute it. How, what kind of retail uh, plan you have. What kind of marketing plan you have. Um, how you view your market. What you think of your market. All of this ideology is in all of that. There is no technology in the world that is ideologically neutral. It's simply an impossibility. 
So you must know that every single bit of technology that is in your life today has come with an intent behind it. You know, Nabi Kareem gave us a dua when we were putting on our clothes that Allah Ta'ala protect us from the evil intention with which these clothes are made and grant us increase in the good intentions with which these clothes are made. And similarly, I suppose, we should be making a similar dua when we come to using the technology. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from the evil intentions behind the technology that has come into our lives and may grant us increase in the good of the technology that comes into our lives. Okay. Right, okay, Alameen. There's your little bayon just before you head off into your business show. Thank you very much. Jazakumullah for joining us. Well, the dollar rand is still slightly stronger today. We're on 14.12 to the dollar. Uh, yesterday, um, only I'm grabbing a mouse next to my laptop. Uh, we've our, our studio here. We've got like two different screens, and then we've got the. I know, I bring my laptop in because I know where everything is on my laptop, and it's just easier working around things, you know. And uh, well, uh, there's a there's a little mouse over here for use on the on the two uh, studio screens, and. I every now and then find myself grabbing the mouse and trying to move the cursor around on my laptop. But my laptop, you know, has, has, has got one of the touchpads. So, yeah, okay. Well, thank you for that. Right, okay. So, uh, how does the RAND compare today compared to how it was tomorrow? Uh, well, today the RAND is at 14.12 to the dollar. Yesterday we were 14.13. So, we've gained one extra cent to the dollar 1862 it was yesterday to the pound and today it's 1847 and we can thank Theresa May for that thanks Theresa uh the Japan and we were 1590 to the euro today we've lost six cents to the euro uh it's currently on 1584 oh no no that means uh no I'm, I'm I'm getting my figures mixed up it's 1584 today so we've gained six cents on the euro so, well, that's nice to see. The South African Rand has, has made a little bit of a recovery. Uh, that's uh, not often we can say that kind of thing, is it? Uh, the most watched shares on the JSE today, Steinhoff is the most watched share. Um, you know, the trials and tribulations of Steinhoff, they never seem to end, and they never seem to go anywhere. Isn't that strange, you know? Hmm? You would think that something just standing still <laughs> would have to end sometime or other, but I don't know. The Steinhoff... Uh, the Steinhoff tragedy uh, continues uh, unfolding at a glacial pace. Uh, it's still on one rand eighty. You know, mm. who cares about the Steinhoff share price, uh, share price nowadays? Aspen uh, gained two point five percent today. Uh, it's on a hundred rand point three six, hundred rand thirty six cents. Sibania, the f- third with most watched share on the JSE today. It's on 15 rand 95, it's only up 0.6%. And Nuspers is up 0.3%, it's the fourth most watched share on the JSE today. Um, I see uh, RCL, the food manufacturer, uh, is the biggest winner on the JSE. Uh, Vivo, the shell service station company in the rest of Africa, excluding South Africa, is up 2.9% in second place. MTN is in third place, um, it's up 2.92%. Uh, Multi Choice is up 2.84%, and Aspen is uh, up 2.48%. 
Right, so uh, high prop, the property counter is the biggest loser, down 3.52%. Clicks, second biggest loser, down 338 Exaro, the miner, down 2.88. ShopRite, down 2.70. And Fortress B, uh, mm, with, their, with their problems about share price manipulation, is down 2.38% today. Mm, it's uh, it's uh, just to remind us in Clicks and ShopRite there, they haven't been as like... Uh, bigger appearances as they have been in in recent weeks it would seem that uh, most of the market has now made up its decisions regarding uh, consumer confidence going ahead in the in the rest of the year or maybe just for this quarter uh, maybe that's why we're not seeing so many of them around at the moment uh, well interest rates and so on uh, well, the Reserve Bank is indicating it's not going to be increasing interest rates this year. The market is betting, as we said yesterday, 68% chance that there's, uh, according to the market, that there's going to be an interest rate cut of uh, 0.25 uh, base points down to 6.5% will be the repo rate then. It's currently on 675 uh, instead of going up to 7% as many had been fearing at the beginning of the year. You must remember... Um, in fact, most people had uh, reckoned that maybe the uh, Reserve Bank would uh, cut its interest rates now, given that uh, it, uh, most of the market seems to think it made a very big mistake uh, last November when uh, it increased interest rates just as we'd entered uh, into an official recession after two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Uh, so, yeah, it's hardly an, an economy that's overheating, and that's usually the reason why you increase interest rates. But, of course, as we say, it's, it's always good. It's always good to educate the people, and uh, one of the most important things you have to realize about interest rates in South Africa is it's got nothing to do with uh, how consumers are spending the money or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with the strength of the South African economy. It's got to do with uh, the... Um, the the interest rates in the United States and Europe, well, in Europe it's on 0%, but uh, in the United States they had been increasing the interest rates up to 2.5% at the moment. And uh, we need to uh, maintain the differential between our interest rates and the American interest rates, just as Turkey does. Us in Turkey, we've got like an almost identical interest rate uh, environment not that we've got similar economies at all uh, it, turkey just like south africa is dependent on uh, portfolio inflows into their stock exchange in order to bail out their trade deficit just like us um, we always have a trade deficit and it's mainly government and business that is the cause of that trade deficit it's got nothing to do with how many tv sets you buy <clears throat> Do you know how many TV sets you'd have to buy just to like sort of overcome the traditional government oil bill in December? That's mm, a lot of TV sets. It's a lot of uh, mag wheels and uh, new dresses and um, Nike shoes and Puma shirts, you know. Uh, this isn't the reason why uh, we uh, increase our interest rates. We're not the big spenders in this economy. Business and government are the big spenders in our economy. And, uh, yeah, we're always told that we are the ones to blame because we're not saving enough. But you know that South Africa has got a savings level, an ordinary bank deposit savings level of uh, 14% of GDP. And we also have a contractual savings level, which is like uh, can be in retirement annuities and so on, but also largely it's into insurance products. 
of course, life insurance and medical aid has all become like uh, uh, like a pension scheme. Your pension scheme is, in actual fact, a life insurance product on its own, in a way. So it's all become melded into the insurance industry, and uh, uh, ever, ever since uh, apartheid, uh, you know, um, South Africans were forced to take out insurance for every single little thing. And so as a result of that, we've got a contractual savings rate of 40% as well. I think I actually think the Life Officers Association tries to ensure that our contractual savings rates and our bank deposit savings rates kind of like shadow each other. So if people see 14%, they see contractual savings 14%, they think it's normal bank savings, but it's not. They're two completely different kettles of fish. They're two different animals completely. Um... The thing is about contractual savings, you see, when Moody's comes along and measures our, our and, and gives us a rating, a national a sovereign rating on uh, South Africa's debt exposure, it goes and it looks at savings, but it only counts bank deposit savings. So bank deposits plus um, contractual savings rates give us a 28% national savings rate, which is far ab- above most other countries. A very healthy savings rate. In fact, South Africa's pension savings are enormous. They are simply incredibly enormous. Um, and uh, still, despite that, we are not given, the, they, we, we get no credit for it whatsoever, none whatsoever. I mean, we've, we've got more pension savings than Germany. Yeah, I know you think you're crazy. I, I, I look it up uh, when we go for a commercial break in a little while, and I'll, I'll read out those facts to you. Yeah, it really is stunning, the amount of pension savings that the largely white people in South Africa built up during apartheid. Because the apartheid government needed to access a pool of savings because the international credit lines had been cut off. And that was the reason why suddenly every time he went and bought higher purchase uh, thing, which was a half-hour set, any of those things, he had to pay, take out an insurance product on it. We are hopelessly overinsured in South Africa. But nevertheless, uh, the government insists that in actual fact, we're a trillion rand underinsured. That's actually a declaration of war against consumers. But uh, more after that, uh, after we go to the markets, uh, don't go away. We'll be back in uh, just a little while. Maruka Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Assalamu alaikum, welcome back. Remember, if you want to call us, you want to share your views, uh, our lines are open. It's 10 that's 10 or you can uh, WhatsApp us your uh, comments on 084-786-3132. Yeah, pension savings gap. South Africa's got a huge amount of pension savings, and yet the vast only 6% of people going into retirement in South Africa, 5% or 4%, depending on who you speak to. Some people say it's only 2%. Only, only only, a very small fraction of people saving for pensions will have enough pension money going into retirement. How things have changed around since the 1970s when this was like, uh, this was, 
I mean, why society anyway? You save up for your pension, and then when you finish, when you reach the age of 55, you go off and uh, you buy yourself a lovely little beach cottage down on the coast, and you have your golden years with your wife. Isn't that a nice little idea? Yeah, that was a scam that was sold to people. Now it turns out that less than 5% of us are actually going to have enough money for retirement. And let me tell you something as well. Um... The whole pension funding scheme uh, is built on a theory wholly and completely uh, kind of like tailored uh, for white society as it was during apartheid, and it hasn't really changed. Uh, The theory is still there. The government still uh, enforces its right to take obligatory uh, deductions from your salary every month and to put it into a pension fund. There are all kinds of tax uh, schemes uh, that enable you to to ramp up your pension savings and you can uh, you can pay less tax on a monthly basis um, you, uh, you you get um, tax uh, tax free savings accounts uh, all of these things that are kind of like uh, tailored at basically servicing uh, the nuclear family. Uh, keeping the nuclear family alive because basically, essentially, on a long-term basis, the nuclear family's economy is unsustainable. And in fact, the nuclear family on a long-term basis, it too is unsustainable. And in actual fact, uh, it's the vulnerability, vulnerability of the nuclear family that is the reason why so many people end up going into retirement and they don't have enough savings. Uh, because the nuclear family is isolated and on its own, it doesn't have uh, the the strength of the extended family around it because people go and work in different cities and they go and they go and live in different countries. Um, there's no ways they can help. Brother or sister or cousin or uncle or auntie can help each other when uh, suddenly someone runs into trouble. When someone runs into trouble, very commonly, one of the first things they do is cash in part of their pension. Uh, because they say, well, I've got this money there. I need it now. I'm going to have to do it. You've been out of work for six months. You need to put food on the table. What are you going to do? You're going to cash in your pension. And as a result of that, very often you lose a portion of that pension. You get punished. Um, uh, there's no like uh, special uh, taxation uh, considerations. When you're cashing your pension, there's no consideration with the fact that you're in desperate measures and so on. And there's another thing about pension savings in South Africa. Uh, people uh, who are working, um, non, uh, non-white people, oh boy, yeah, you know, there's a real old apartheid adage, that one there. Um, white people had a specialized and privileged access to the system during apartheid. Black people did not. Uh, so many black people, be they Indian, colored, or indigenous African in this country, uh, who are like 40 years and older, most of them had no pension savings plan for their entire working life. Some of them maybe had it for a few years, and some had it their whole lives. Like, you know, like say you went to work for the railways, or say you went to work for Anglo-American or De Beers, one of those companies. But if you weren't like that, if you're in a smaller company, uh, or if you're working for a boss and it was a white boss and didn't give a damn about you, you had no pension plan. No pension plan. No, 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 no protection for yourselves. But now, nevertheless, uh, you will now in South Africa have uh, your pension being deducted from you. 
and many black people in South Africa find themselves going into retirement without any proper protection. Uh, this is something that white people don't think about when they criticize the state of play in South Africa at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Let's move on from pension plans because it was not part of my plan for the show today at all. Um, and I really do kind of like get carried away by my, by my own kind of like thoughts sometimes. Um, uh, coming up after the show, by the way, we're going to have a Q&A. Uh, it's, uh, no, we are having a panel discussion hosted by Mulana Arafat. So don't go away. There's a lot of more interesting programming coming up on Marcus Sahaba as the evening progresses. Okay, so there was a Q&A answer session in Parliament recently with the Minister of Transport, Bladen Zimandi. He outlined that the driver's license delay uh, that has impacted South African motorists over the last nine months. Uh, also coming up in our show in the next few minutes, we're going to be discussing Madhubi Kassila construction. Uh, it's going to continue. They've decided they're going to continue. They're not going to scrap it. Can you imagine that? They, the ESCOM board was actually discussing scrapping Madhubi and Kusile. Uh because, of, like, you know, they were supposed to come online like three years ago and they're still not online. whole lot of design defects and, and so on. Uh, they're actually considering uh, bringing in sabotage um, um charges against certain people and certain um, subcontractors uh, and they were actually considering should we just close all of this down imagine that this country has spent 300 billion rands on those two power stations 300 billion rands and the ESCOM board in the last few days was actually discussing seriously should we just shut these things down and just walk away from them should we just shut 300 billion dollar uh, rand's worth of investment and just go home? Well, it was decided that in actual fact we couldn't do that. And we, we will discuss it in uh, just a few minutes' time. And President Trump says the U.S. is strong. Uh, hopefully I'll have time to discuss some of that as well. Vodacom is experiencing African safari problems, much like MTN. And it, it really does. Uh, there are South Africa's companies going on safari into Africa now starting to experience a xenophobic backlash. As we burn Africans here in Africa, I know President Ramaphosa says it doesn't happen, but then President Ramaphosa is surprised when his train arrives late. He's surprised when suddenly there's um, load shedding. He's surprised uh, when uh, there's all kinds of uh, allegations of corruption against people in his government. He's always surprised. He's always surprised. So, yeah, uh, can you imagine that? Cyril Ramaphosa actually doesn't believe that there's xenophobia in South Africa. Uh, the rest of Africa knows it. But believe me, Cyril, the rest of Africa knows that there's xenophobia in South Africa. They've got bodies coming back for burial. They know. They see the conditions of those bodies when they come back. They know. Believe me, they know. Anyway, so yeah, so Bladen Zamandi outlined the driver's license problems that have impacted many of us over the last nine months. I don't know if you've like tried to go and get your license renewed and suddenly nothing's happening. Uh, he confirmed the delay was caused by a systems upgrade on the licensed production machine and a labor dispute lodged by employees involved in the production of driving license cards. All cards are issued by the driving license card account, the DLCA. It's a trading entity of the National Department of Transport. Mm. 
I wonder who's in charge of that. Is, that, is, is it owned by the National Department of Transport? Maybe we should have a look into this. The delay affects applicants all over South Africa, with the Western Cape and Gauteng being most adversely affected. According to Zimani, the production team is working overtime to address the backlog, but in, in typical kind of like a Communist Party chairman, um, former Communist Party chairman, uh, you know, reporting on the progress of work by workers, uh, you don't really know anything as a result of the numbers that he throws out. Uh, he says in January 2019, there was a backlog of 250,000 cards, which was addressed on 8th of February 2019. Uh, then he says on the 7th of March 2019, there was a backlog of 194,000 cards, which was caused by a delay in the delivery of material. This backlog will be addressed by 15 April, he says. Okay, so um, so the backlog went from 250,000 to nothing, uh, one can assume from these words. And then suddenly it went up to 194,000 and now it will be back down to nothing by the 15th of April. Either that or it means that uh, the workers are desperately working to try and reduce the backlog. And the backlog was 250,000 cards and... Um, and it's now down to around about 190,000 cards, and uh, they're hoping it'll be gone by the 15th of April, or maybe it'll be down to 180,000 cards by the 15th of April. Now, you can't really tell anything from those numbers, can you? And Zimande, well, that's the way a politician answers questions in a question-answer time in Parliament. And Zimande said some members of the public have to return to redo their fingerprints, photos, and eye tests, uh, adding to the frustration of the backlog. He says uh, the card center has opened a case of extortion and sabotage, but that the Office of the Director of Priority Investigation has issued a nulli prosecui, citing, among others, a lack of evidence as a reason for the withdrawal. A nulli prosecui is a we-will-not-prosecute decision by the prosecution authority. Okay, so uh, the chairman of the Eskombo, Jabal Mubuza, says construction on the Madubi and Kosiri power stations will go ahead at the cost of halting the projects will not benefit the economy. The costs uh, are going to be 18 billion rand each per power station. So that's the 36, uh, yeah, 36 billion rand in total. Um, hopefully, once that 36 billion rand has been spent, both of those power stations will be there pumping out power like they're supposed to be doing. Uh, he says the building of the coal-fired power station started in 2007-2008, though hit by cost overruns, poor engineering designs and allegations of corruption. He says uh, questions had been raised as to whether it would be feasible to stop construction on the multi-billion rand coal plants. Uh, he said the questions about the viability of stopping construction had been raised by some board members who wanted to know the cost implications of the projects. He said, uh, given that they're at a point where they're almost complete, it would cost around 18 billion rand each to complete. Uh, but he says, estimate an additional cost of more or less 8 billion rand would be incurred in contractual legal costs and penalties if they do not complete it. So it'll cost us less not to complete. It'll cost us, if we just stop everything now because of contractual legal costs and penalties being sued by subcontractors and so on who now are dependent on work going forward, it'll cost us 8 billion rand to shut it all down. To just to shut, just to walk away from those two plants. It'll cost us 8 billion rand, it'll cost us 36 billion rand to complete them. But he says if we walk away from them, then we're going to have to go and build something else. So please, we don't want to go through that whole process all over again. Thankfully, uh, the common sense prevailed and they've decided that they're going to continue um, building the two power stations. Once completed, um, 
with uh, Madupi will uh, with six units will have an install capacity of four thousand seven hundred and sixty four megawatts, uh, and Kusili will have eight hundred megawatts of electricity. Oh no, that's the times six. Six times eight is um, forty-eight thousand, four thousand eight hundred. So Kusili will have like uh, one hundred extra megawatts. 4,800, uh, 4,700, that's 9,500, 9,500 megawatts, I think. ESCOM's total output is around about 36,000 megawatts. So that's got a substantial part of the pie. Um, and hopefully <clears throat> they will get everything completed on time, on schedule, and without too many um, dark nights in South Africa. Now, an energy expert um, uh Tobias Bischof Nims from the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, the CSIR, uh, he says that in actual fact, ESCOM's tariff levels are unsustainable. And even if it was a healthy power producing utility, its tariffs at the current rate would also be unsustainable. Even if you got, you had these tariffs being, uh, being applied to an efficient uh, utility in another country, that utility would run into trouble because the tariffs aren't high enough. He is saying that uh, we need to go ahead with the unbundling of ESCOM. He says without the unbundling of ESCOM, uh, we're going to run into the same problem every single time. You see NERSA, the National Energy Regulator of South Africa, <clears throat> NERSA is unable to uh, to give uh, the, the requested tariff increases that the ESCOM wants every year simply because it is unable to tell from ESCOM's opaque balance sheet and accounting methods that uh, whether or not uh, these costs have been efficiently made or inefficiently made, it doesn't want to reward inefficiency. <clears throat> and so it is legally not allowed to give the increases that ESCOM asks on a regular basis. So Bishop Nims uh, reckons that in actual fact what we need to do is proceed with the unbundling because then that separates generation, which is where most of the problems arise, from generation and transmission. Uh, and uh, NERSA, the energy regulator, will be able to see clearly where the costs are coming from and will be able to give an accurate tariff increase for that year. He says that without the unbundling, we're not going to be able to see these things clearly. He says if we don't unbundle correctly and if we mess up the unbundling, we're not going to get a second chance. So we need to go ahead with this and make sure that it's done correctly. It's all very nice, but I can kind of like see after the unbundling, ESCOM is going to be going to nurse and saying we need 15% and the nurse is going to say, no, you're only going to get 8%. Because I can see clearly that there are efficiencies in your, trans in your generation. Uh, I can see that there aren't any inefficiencies in your transmission and your distribution, it's all in your generation. Yeah, well, now we can see that and we're still not going to give them the increases that they want. So really, in actual fact, this is a bit of a red herring by Bishop Nims. Yes, we will be able to see it a little bit more clearly, but that's going to, not going to take the problems away. Uh, and so ESCOM will still be asking for more than what, uh, than what uh, NERSA is willing to give, although many of us uh, agree that uh, the 15% plus uh, every year ESCOM comes with uh, above inflation uh, increased demands. And in fact, you know, ESCOM's whole new uh, recapitalization program was approved by ESCOM and by Parliament without Parliament actually seeing the, the figures. We gave them approval. We gave them a blank check. And this is what we've got as a result of that. Can you remember that uh, 
that uh, ANC uh, MP, a white guy who got into a punch-up once uh, with one of the, the Conservative Party guys. Uh, yeah, that guy, he was going on, we cannot give Eskom a blank check. And they said, yes, we can. We gave Eskom a blank check. Parliament approved it. And now, well, this is what we've seen as a result. Many years later, yeah, you've got to keep tight uh, control on the purse strings. That's just the way any any treasurer will tell you that from any company anywhere in the world. You have to keep a tight control of the purse strings. You just let the money flow out, it's going to get wasted. That's exactly what's happened with ESCOM, as far as I'm concerned. So, President Donald Trump is saying today that the U.S. economy is very strong, despite what he said were unnecessary and destructive actions taken by the U.S. Federal Reserve. That's his latest attack on the nation's independent central bank. Independent of what? Do they say independent of the government? Well, maybe it's independent of the government, but it's certainly not independent of... Uh, of uh, corporate interests and uh, buddies. U.S. Federal Reserve is independent of the public. It doesn't care what happens to homeowners and heads of family when they are unable to afford to put food on the table because interest rates have gone up. It is independent of people, and it is independent of the government, but it is not independent of corporate vested interests. And may I just add that in actual fact, until Donald Trump come along very largely, uh, the United States government has not been independent of its reserve bank. Uh, how many people uh, from Goldman Sachs were put onto the U.S. Fed by by the government, and how many people from the U.S. Fed and Goldman Sachs went into government? Very, very close into. Yeah, uh, it's a very, very, very too close a relationship. So now, uh, you know, President Donald Trump, he knows among his his right wing crazies who support him, that they all hate the Fed. They've got all these uh, kind of like uh, conspiracy theories about uh, about banking. Uh, it's amazing, you know, if they would just become Muslim, they would see things clearly. Instead, they go and chase all the Bilderbergers and the, the Freemasons. <coughs> excuse me. Um, excuse me about that. Uh, yeah, so... Um, he knows that he goes and he gives a little bash for the Fed. The, the, all of his like red belt supporters are going to be saying, you know, Christian belt supporters are going to be saying, yeah, 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 I see Donald Trump. He's still on our side. Although he gave all of those um, tax write-offs to all of those um, billionaires when as soon as he came into power, all, all, all of the people, the, the blue-collar workers, they've still been stiffed by the system. Uh, but nevertheless, they like Donald Trump because today he spoke out against the United States Fed and said that it's been taken unnecessary and destructive actions. He says, despite this, the economy is still very strong and China and their trade deals are moving along very nicely and there's little or no inflation. He says that this is a good thing. In actual fact, what they are doing is the United States is desperately fighting against falling into stagflation, which is stagnating. Uh, inflation, which is negative inflation, starts going down. The banks have to start paying you interest for you to take loans from them. Imagine that. Yeah, so now Donald Trump says uh, the United States economy is strong, which has got little or no inflation. That means that <clears throat> that it is cooling down. It's like the South African economy. You know, well, at least we've got inflation around about four and a half, four point seven percent at the moment. Uh, but, well, you know, this is, well, he knows that he's talking to idiots. 
He knows. He's talking to idiots. You know, he has, <clears throat> his idiots are sitting back saying, yeah, there's old Donald Trump. He's given stick to the U.S. Fed. He's a good old boy. Uh, but in actual fact, in, in the, the Donald Trump is just speaking absolute nonsense. Um, the U.S. Fed uh, had uh, said after he um, he castigated them last Friday that in actual fact, no, we're not going to be increasing interest rates. Zero chance of interest rate increases this year. Um, that in actual fact speaks to weakness in the United States economy, not to strength in the United States economy. Uh, and Donald Trump is now, he knows that the United States Fed isn't going to be increasing interest rates this year. So he's jumping onto the bandwagon and just like knocking the U.S. Fed for the benefit of, of the television cameras. And it also whole um, sound and fury signifying nothing. A lot of activity, but not much going on. That's essentially what's happening in the United States. Uh, Boeing will learn real soon uh, whether or not uh, the findings by the Ethiopian investigation, investigators into that tragic crash there uh, is going to hit its bottom line. It already has the 300 Boeing 737 MAX planes grounded around the world, awaiting for regulators to give the, the go-ahead sign you can start flying again. Uh, they've had a look at the computer program that uh, controls the tilt of the nose. It's supposed to prevent uh, stalling, but in actual fact what happened with the Ethiopian flight and the Indonesian flight six months previously was uh, this computer program suddenly started tilting the nose downward when it wasn't supposed to be tilting the nose downward. It was supposed to be taking the plane up. And instead of taking the plane, the plane up, it took the plane down. It crashed it into the ground and killed everyone on board. Um, Nevertheless, imagine that. Uh, just days after the accident, the Civil Aviation Authority in the United States was adamant that the, that the plane was safe. Now it turns out that in actual fact the plane isn't safe. Um, Boeing is trying to build its 737 MAX product, uh, models as fast as they can. They're trying to um, raise their monthly output to 57 jets a, year, a month. Uh, so that means that their parking lot uh, is going to be filling up uh, with the Boeing 737 Maxes. They've probably got six at the moment. But uh, they're gonna, if, if the rate at which they're building and the rate at which they're selling, by the end of the year, they're probably going to have 300 or more aeroplanes parked without having been sold to anyone. Uh, already Indonesia has cancelled its purchase, further purchases of Boeing 737 MAXs. Ethiopia is reconsidering. Uh, there's only one uh, 737 MAX in South Africa at the moment. It's owned by, uh, what's the former British one? Comair. It's owned by Comair, and Comair said that they've grounded their plane. So, right, okay. That's all we need to know. Uh, just by the way, the Boeing is America's biggest export, biggest single export. So you can understand that this is a major problem, not just for Boeing, but for America as well. Uh, Tanzania has charged five employees of the Vodacom Group's local unit, including Managing Director Hisham Hendi, with allegedly depriving the government more than 11 billion shillings. That's $4.8 million in revenue. Mm. Uh, prosecutors accused the staff at Vodacom Tanzania of organizing a criminal racket uh, the group are charged with allowing third parties uh, unauthorized use of network services. Who these third parties are, I would really love to know. Um, I wonder if it's MI6, uh, because Vodacom is owned by Vodafone, you see. Uh, Vodacom also has operation in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Mozambique, and is a market leader in South Africa. Is it that you see when CNN was initially charged with um, not ensuring that all of its... Um, 
all of its uh, ID cards on its phone, its SIM cards, were matched to a person. Uh, they claim that Boko Haram and terrorists were now starting to abuse the system. Uh, so now Vodacom uh, in, in Tanzania is uh, running a criminal racket by using peop- allowing people to use the system without authorization. That's very strange. Well, I suppose if you allow them to use it for free, you can pocket the money yourself. The charges come two years after Vodacom listed its IT, its Tanzanian unit on the local stock exchange for him flowing pressure from the government to increase domestic ownership. Exactly the same kind of pressures that MTN is facing in Uganda. And, uh, well, the sooner they get uh, something listed in Uganda, I don't know if Uganda actually has a stock exchange, uh, but they can still open up a, a local subsidiary without too, too much cost. It wouldn't really cost all that much. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, they should they, they should be insuring all of that, shouldn't they? Rob Shooter's probably looking into it as we speak. The Tobacco Institute of South Africa says, ah, oh, so the government undercollected by 14 billion rand because of uh, VAT and, uh, and tax returns. Well, in actual fact, if you had clamped down on Gold Leaf Tobacco Company, um, <clears throat> you would have been able to make 8 billion rand. So like half of that would not even be there. Your pain would be halved. They say if the tax authority was clamping down on illegal cigarettes in South Africa, they would have uh, the pain would be far less than uh, they're feeling at the moment. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's uh, MIT, yeah, like the foremost uh, uh, in technology uh, research center in the world, I suppose you could say. The MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, has suffered with Huawei Technologies and ZTE Corporation, <clears throat> which of course owns Huawei. Uh, and that's very sad uh, because um, that means that academics are jumping on top of a bandwagon which is basically been driven by politicians. And when you don't have academic independence from government, well, then academia, it's not going to be long before academia starts start suffering. Uh, so, yeah, well, that's sad to see, but I suppose it's also very typical of the way things are going in the world and more specifically in the United States. Well, with that, we have reached the end of our show. Jazakumullah for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Al-Malikul Qudus, salamul 